sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last Hey everybody, welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we are doing... Talking Heads versus St. Vincent. Yes, uh, Talking Heads album Fear of Music from 1979 versus St. Vincent's self-titled uh, from about, uh, I don't know, two or three weeks ago when you're listening to this. Just came out. One thing that I just, in general, uh, not before we get heavily into it, do, do artists usually have self-titled albums so late? Like this is her third or fourth album. Um, no, I mean like you know Chicago would do like Chicago two and Chicago three and Chicago four, but I think that was just more that uh, they were too dumb to come up with names for their albums. Yeah, no, it's uh, not not to my knowledge. That's actually a good question. I can't really think of any other examples. Um, but then I'm also uh, pretty stupid. Well, we can both agree on that. So. So that's a non-answer to your question because I don't have it. Um, but the the reason, well, there is a link between them because uh, St. Vincent and David Byrne, singer for the Talking Heads, uh, did an album together um, a, a year or two ago. And uh, and I'll probably throw one of those songs on at the end uh, just so you can hear what that's like. They've collaborated. But I also felt like both albums are um, are pop music but with kind of alienating effects to them do you know does that make any sense i think so yeah not i don't know about alienating but i, I think i hear what you're saying that it's not it's pop music with a sound that's not necessarily poppy right right i think i think they're pop songs that have been uh tinkered with and and had some you know some shit thrown on them to make them slightly less uh pop you know for the pop audience i mean beyonce yes. fans are not gonna necessarily dig these um although they might i mean there's no reason they can't it is they are i feel like they are both uh really good catchy albums um that that's are what just, i was gonna say say it was they're they're very catchy but they're using different methods to get that catch yeah yeah there's something they they throw something some things in that are just slightly off um so i thought they were a good fit but uh anyway I guess we should start with uh, Fear of Music, Talking Heads, 79, their third album. Um, I don't know. I was going to say it might be my favorite, but I think I think their first five albums were all pretty uniformly great. I mean, they were good all the way through. They're, they kind of took a crap on their last their last two albums, um, but they weren't terrible. Um, so it, it's hard to it's hard to pick a favorite from their their early stuff. But this one definitely has. I I feel like a a weird, almost, uh, uh, well, both these albums, I don't really know how to describe it, kind of a electronic, psychedelic feel to them. And then you, you throw in the world stuff on the Talking Heads album, too. Yes, definitely. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, we should we should start with that, because the, the uh, first song we're going to talk about on the Talking Heads album is Izimbra, um, which is huge African uh, influenced pop song and uh, a long time before the African thing really caught on I think you know later in the 80s uh, 
with Paul Simon's Graceland and like Lady mm-hmm. Smith, Black Mombazo, and even a uh, Fela Kuti, King Sunny Ade started catching on in the eighties. Um, but this was pretty early on to, to be going into uh, African music for, for a, a rock band or a punk or new wave or whatever you want to call them. And uh, lyrics, I don't know if you, if you looked this up at all, but lyrics were <laughs> just nonsense lyrics by a, uh, Written by Hugo Ball, who was a Dadaist in the twenties, a German dude. So, as a, what exactly does Dadaist mean? I was under the impression that it was an art movement. Was it more than art? No, it was, it was pretty much it was well art slash philosophical, but those always go together. I feel like, um, and <coughs> excuse me, uh, definitely from what I remember, very heavily influenced by World War II and and just seeing all that horror um, and you mean World War one well, yes sorry World War one uh, and 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 seeing all the horror of that and people deciding um, that life was basically absurd mm-hmm and, and this the lyrics to the song are pretty absurd yeah yeah uh, but but also weird to uh, I mean, that's definitely very, that's another thing about both albums. I feel like, I feel like they're very arty, but in a way that, uh, normal people can still get into because, because of the music and the rhythms mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, you can, it's accessible. I agree. Yeah. And this, I mean, these lyrics are arty, but they're kind of catchy. Yeah. And, but it is weird to, uh, go back to a 1920s Dadaist and, and... <laughs> nineteen eighty. Yeah, in, in in 79 to uh, appropriate lyrics for a song. but uh, did, Do you know if Hugo Ball was an artist as well? Like a, 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 a media artist, or was he just a, a philosopher poet? I, my impression is that he was more of a, a philosopher poet and did like some kind of like weird vaudeville-ish absurdist act, you know? Wow! Like I think he dressed up in like this weird magician's costume with a big like dunce cap and yeah, I'm I'm not quite sure. It was like performance art, basically, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but I really should have uh, researched more before I started talking about him, I guess. But that yeah, that's that's my impression of of what he did. Um, but the song is is really good and catchy, and it's it's got um a great groove, you know, like oh yeah, I mean James Brown would be proud of this groove on an album i feel and i think anyone who listens to this can hear the african influence oh yeah it's it's undeniable but and but it's also cool uh so brian eno produced this album with them um as he did their previous one and the the one following it um before he moved on to work with u2 a lot um for whatever reason um (laughs) i I like u2 a lot more than you do and i'm not sure why i i like them in the 80s definitely Uh, yeah yeah yeah, and when when Eno was work, well, he worked with them beyond that too. But but I did like his his first couple albums with them, um, Unforgettable Fire and Joshua Tree. But uh, but anyway, uh, you can tell his influence too if you know anything about Brian Eno. So he was in Roxy Music for one album before going solo and making kind of weird uh, arty art rock, and also um, music for airports was one of his albums and that's basically what it sounds like i think that i i came upon brian eno with the arty kind of weird stuff first and then i heard roxy music and i was kind of shocked that it was the same person yeah well and he also did i mean he did do some some like avant-garde pop stuff too it wasn't all just like the weird soundscapes and stuff um Mm -hmm. so i mean he's he's rooted in that 
but yeah, yeah, it is. And, and you can feel his influence. And I think another really cool thing about this song is that um, it's like you said, you can definitely hear the, that it's an African influence song. I mean, influence is maybe too mild a word for it. Um, but they also use like modern electronic yeah, that's what's that's really great about it. It has that African influence, but it it does sound of not Africa. Right. I mean, it sounds. It could be released today. I feel like. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, you're talking about the Paul Simon stuff. Just sounded African. It didn't. It didn't seem like it was a, as much influence as just African. Yeah, yeah. And this, it seemed like this kind of took it in and synthesized it a little bit more. Probably a bad word to use, but. No, I think that's perfect. So that it's very interesting. I, 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 I guess we should have researched more. I, I wonder why David Byrne decided to use the, the, the Dadaist lyrics from the twenties. Well, he, David Byrne, uh, it's, it kind of fits with everything else he's ever yeah. done in his life. I mean, <laughs> he was uh, what Rhode Island school of design. So, you know, art school kid. And, and uh, I mean, that's not going to shock anybody who hears any, anything he's ever done. He's uh, from Scotland originally though, right? I, damn, that's a good question. That I v- vaguely recall that, yeah, being a thing. But I know. I think most of his life he's been here or in the U.S., but I, I'm pretty sure he's from from Scotland. So his last name really should be pronounced Bern. Laddie. Or Lassie, depending on who he's he's talking to. Well, you want to you wanna, uh, play a bit of Ezimbra? Sure. For people, yeah, here. So uh, here you go, guys. Ezimbra. Personally, I would pronounce it I Zim Bra. Oh, I would too, but you know, we're, we're that's why we're not artists. Oh. Yeah. That does sound like uh, something they would sell on an infomercial. <laughs> the I Zim Bra. It, it, the Zim, it really zims up your chest. Well, I saw a commercial for a t shirt bra. I'm not sure what that means. A, a t shirt bra? Yes. I, I don't really know how that's just different from a t-shirt, but... <laughs> yeah, it's, maybe it's sculpted or something. But if Victoria's Secret is selling it, they'll never tell. Oh, that's true. They've got to keep those secrets. I mean, they guard their secrets more heavily than uh, Colonel Sanders. Anyway. All right, yeah, pour out a 40. Um, so that was, that was the first song. I, I will say I picked... Uh, I picked the most well-known songs on this album to to discuss. Uh, uh, two of them were singles. One wasn't, although it's more well-known than the third single from this album, which was uh, Cities. Um, 
much more well-known song, uh, but I'll, I'll talk about that later. But uh, there is a lot more, um, more kind of weirder stuff on the album than these songs. But I think, I think these are all pretty catchy. Like you could, you could imagine hearing them on the radio. Although none of them were hits. Uh, really, "Life During War- Wartime" wasn't a hit. No, it seems like it's their most popular song of anything. I've heard it a million times. Well, "Once in a Lifetime," I was looking it up. Um, "Once in a Lifetime" didn't even crack the top one hundred. Wow. Which is, yeah. yeah I, I have it right in front of me. This this got up to number 80 on the U.S. chart. That's yeah. weird. Cause yeah. I, and it's a song, I guess it just gets played a lot. It doesn't necessarily sell a lot. Well, it's the, it's the thing we've talked about before where um, the music that holds up over time isn't necessarily the music that popular, was popular. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Like, um, not a lot of people listening to DeBarge nowadays. Um, not to disparage them because I actually like DeBarge, you know, but, but, um, but the Smiths are considered classic now where, you know, and when I was in high school, it was outsider music. Um, right. Yeah. And, and I think it, the same holds true with a lot of this uh, more arty new wave, whatever you want to call it, punk influenced stuff. Just holds up better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and holds up to constant listening. Cause I, I feel like like during, during wartime got played a lot. Cause I, I didn't know that was the name of the song. So when I, I, I started playing, I was like, Oh Yeah. This is Talking Heads. I thought, and I also thought it came later. Like, what was that? What was that movie? The Stop. Stop making sense. Well, that was a live movie, so it was in there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and I think they probably released the the live version as a single at that time too, which was I can't even remember when that came out. Eighty four. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think that I I'm guessing that movie did more to make them recognizable than their music because that that big suit was such a iconic image oh yeah and the big suit was used in the video for once in a lifetime too back in 1980 um oh the big suit came before the movie i thought yeah. it came at, at, during the movie okay yeah no that was it was a holdover from then um and i i mean in my mind they played once the once in a lifetime video every 10 minutes on <laughs> mtv in the early days but uh but you know they only had so many videos back then but it's still like i said it wasn't it didn't crack the top 100 so but it, it, they might not have that many videos but this was also an interesting looking video probably yeah oh compared yeah to everything else which which was you know concert footage or whatever they were doing back then it was not nearly as interesting yeah for sure especially for the time but yeah stop making sense was was the one well besides just being a great movie. I mean, there's there aren't many concert films that are compelling. I feel like you know, you always lose something, you always gain something by actually being present at a concert that doesn't translate uh, well mm-hmm. when it's when it's recorded usually. But Jonathan Demme directed and and made it you know very vibrant and. Yeah, I was reading the review of it. it uh, interesting. I I don't think I've ever seen it. If I did, it was a long time ago, and I barely remember it. But it was, it's it wasn't. A, a pure concert movie, like one of those movies is just, is, is a filming of a concert. It was like three concerts over time that he clipped, you know, he put different clips from different shows in. Right. Right. To well, create it. And he even wanted to do some of it in a sound, sound stage, but the, the, the band refused. Oh, good for them. Well, and he's a, I mean, he's an interesting filmmaker. I don't think he's done anything good for a long time, but, um, but he's, a big music geek too. He filmed uh, the storefront Hitchcock, the Robin Hitchcock, which is great movie. Yeah, he's he's really good at doing. Um, maybe he should just stick to music uh, for his films. 
How was the Manchurian Candidate? Did not see the remake. And, uh, me neither. And Robin Hitchcock had a cameo in it, I know. But uh, I kind of refused to see it just because the original is so great. Uh, yeah. Maybe we can have David back on and do Manchurian Candidate versus Manchurian Candidate, and I'll force myself to watch the new one. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't even know how we got off on this tangent. Um, I mean, it was organic. I just can't remember. Uh, but Life During Wartime is our next song. And, and yeah, one that I feel like everybody knows at this point. And, uh, and it's, well, let me use the word again, driving. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite uh, description of, of music. And it definitely fits. Yeah. And the, the lyrics are great. I mean, you know, this dude's, this dude's getting ready to go on the run because, you know, he's, uh, hearing about armament shipments or whatever, but you also get the sense that maybe it's all just in his mind and he's a paranoid schizophrenic. <laughs> um, hard to tell what's going on. He's stockpiling, what, peanut butter and shit. <laughs> and who knows, going off to build a bomb shelter. Um, the the lyrics, are, I mean, they tell you, they give you the idea of what's going on, but it's not super concrete either. No. <laughs> um but, but they, like we talked about both albums, it's super catchy. This ain't no party. This ain't no disco. This ain't no fooling around. This is this just sticks with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Totally. And another thing, um, super repetitive musically, but it works. I, and I feel like that's a really hard thing to pull off because it can get boring when it's like basically one riff over and over and over. You know. And the, isn't that the same thing with uh, Once in a Lifetime? That's pretty. Uh... It, no, it is for sure. They're, I mean, they're good at, well, that, that one also, I mean, I think they're good. I have to hand that to the rhythm section. Um, in both cases, I think for creating a groove that's kind of galvanic, you know, mm-hmm. um, that can, that can carry it along. Um, that, yeah, I, it reminds me of, uh, there's an Elvis Costello and the attractions album, um, blood and chocolate where he's got, uh, the shit. I think it's the second song. I was going to say the first, um, Tokyo storm warning, which is basically like a two chord song that goes on for six minutes and it's one riff over and over, but they carry it. That's always impressive to me. Um, Cause I get, I can get bored pretty easily, but it, yeah, not with this song. Um, but do you have anything else to say? You want to just play it? Yeah, let's play it. I feel like everybody knows it. Um, or they. No, that's what I wanted to say. I can't figure out why everyone knows it. Like it, it didn't chart that high. Is it just the fact that it, but where is it getting played? It's not going. It's not the kind of song that gets played in movies unless they're trying to set a time period. It's, it's weird. It's no, I know. I, it's one of those things that just becomes part, of, part the of culture somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but as well, it should have. I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's listen. Here's life during wartime, which you all should know.
Okay. And uh, the so the third song is was the one that was of those three that was not a single, but is as I said more well known I think than the the actual third single from the album, which was Cities, um, which as far as I know went nowhere on the charts. Um, and it's uh, Heaven. And another one that's, uh, this one, I don't know. Well, let's hear what you think of it first, Pat. It's pretty. It's slow and it's nice. Yeah, it's got kind of a country-ish feel. Maybe a, a little bit of country gospel uh, in the music. And uh, and the lyrics are interesting. I mean, especially uh, as an atheist, I, I remember relating to it because, you know, the chorus is, heaven is a place where nothing ever happens. And, and that was always like when people would when Christians would talk about their idea of heaven I, I would always think well that sounds boring right it's just <laughs> you're just at peace all the time but there's no real fun it doesn't sound like you know it's no uh, friction no yeah no friction at all no uh, no sex from from the sound of a lot of people's idea of heaven no <laughs> no drinking I don't want to meet those people <laughs> I, well, I unfortunately I have met too many of them um <laughs> no no alcohol no i i don't know what like it, but so i thought it was uh i thought it was cool to hear it um hear somebody actually say that in a song uh, <laughs> you know you just sit around all day and and uh you're supposed to be you know have achieved transcendence or whatever but i don't even i mean that's why if i was going to be any religion it would probably be buddhist or uh, at least a zen uh the Zen, whatever you call it, uh, of Buddhism, um, congregation oh. is the wrong word. I can't, I can't think of the right word. Sect. Yeah. Sect. Um, but, but even then, like I, I find that I disagree with the idea of, uh, trying to extinguish all desire because I think some desire is good. I mean, I greed is obviously not, not great or being acquisitive or whatever, but I, I feel like desire also spurs you on. And I think it's good in a relationship. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, to desire your partner and stuff. So I'd never. Uh, but it, the parts of it where they say to live in the moment, and enjoy what you have, is important. I it think, is for no, anybody. and that's yeah, and that's the. I mean, that's the thing to me with religions or or clubs in general is, I just don't want to join something if I don't agree with one hundred percent of the the precepts. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's good to uh, take pieces from from different philosophies and and that fit uh, how you want to live. But, mm-hmm. but I can't subscribe to any, any one thing where everything's already set out. Um, anyway, that's a bit off topic, I guess. It fits. Yeah. But uh, heaven. But talking about the song specifically, if you go to the Wikipedia page, I am not surprised, but it's striking how many times it was covered. Oh, really? I don't know that I've ever heard a cover of it. It's, there's a lot. One was on the soundtrack for Philadelphia by Q. Lazarus. No uh, Katie Lang did a cover. Yeah, a lot of different. Widespread Panic used it during live shows. Crazy. Acoline Trio covered the song. So, anyway, uh, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it, it's especially interesting because, as I said, it wasn't released as a single, so it's an album track that, that um, a lot of people... Obviously, it resonated with. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what that's another thing that happens with these kind of bands who who weren't actually you know uh, top forty bands um, when they people listen to their entire albums. Right. Uh, yeah. 
They're not. So. They're not just there for their singles. Do singles still work the same way? I I I think they do for you know artists like Miley Cyrus and Beyonce and stuff, um, but I think because I think iTunes has a singles chart, you know, Black Eyed Peas or whatever. But uh, for the most part, I don't think they do anymore. But I mean, it's not this like for Miley Cyrus. She releases her whole album at once, or did they do it where the singles come out first? Sometimes they'll release the singles first, and iTunes. I mean, okay. I, iTunes now, and I'm obviously totally digital with all my music um so that's why i'm speaking to itunes but itunes and and i assume amazon is the same um they'll like you know you can pre-order an album um and a lot of times they'll just release one song from it before the album comes out which is kind of like releasing a single but not so yeah i don't i'm not really quite sure how it works anymore um it seems weird to me that those artists even bother to release singles because it seems unnecessary. You know, people are going to buy the damn albums anyway. I guess, but I guess also for, for that kind of artist, it, it creates a hype. Yeah, it does. With But that's what I'm saying. Do those artists need hype? Does Katy Perry need hype? You know, I Beyonce released her last album with no hype. She just released it on iTunes. And everyone hates it. At the end it. of the year. Do they? I, I actually no, kind of like it. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I, I yeah, I'm somewhat of a fan of it. Um, but I thought that was cool. And... And smart too. I mean, when you think about how much money still for for a star like that goes into marketing and promotion, mm-hmm. um, to just be like, "Fuck it, why do, we don't need to spend that money." This is Beyonce. You know, what I think about all the time is I think I think you're the one that came up with the idea that will never happen that Pepsi and Coke should both make an agreement not to do any advertising for a year, and all the money they spend on advertising they just give to charity. Yeah, that was because my everybody idea. already knows who they are. Don't bother. And also. Just from a, a a bean counter standpoint, that's the best marketing campaign you could ever hope for, anyway. Yeah, yeah. And, and it would help people. Yeah. Well, I I don't know why Coke and Pepsi don't listen to me. Uh, <laughs> well, Coke is busy spending all their money assassinating people in South America. Yeah, that's true. And and when I was when I was in high school, uh, I made my mom stop buying Coke. We had to switch to Pepsi because uh, Coke was invested in doing business in South Africa. I was <laughs> like a little self-righteous asshole. Um, Johnny's first boycott. <laughs> it was Johnny's first boycott. Um, and uh, It's a good idea for a children's, children's book. Yeah. You're an informed consumer, Charlie Brown. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, thinking back on it, I'm like, there's no doubt Pepsi was in South Africa, too. I don't <laughs> Well, maybe they weren't. I, I I like to think they weren't, but <laughs> but being realistic, I don't see how they couldn't have been. But I think I think Coke actually like had some kind of holdings in the government. I don't know, you know. It was a bigger deal that people actually talked about. Yeah, yeah. I think my first uh, moment of social awareness was going through the house and throwing out all the aerosol cans. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ! I mean. Yes, I remember all the Aquanet and everything back in the back in the eighties. We had we had a, a cabinet full of that shit. And then the, the, the early reports. So this is hurting the ozone. I mean, I'm, maybe it wasn't early reports, but they seemed early to me because it was the first I ever heard of it. And I was like, "Well, we can't do that. Let's get rid of all these." I don't know if my mom bought new ones or just you know went with the flow. But I remember throwing them out. Yeah, I remember getting rid of mine. I don't. I don't. Um, I can't remember if the whole family did it or not, but pro- I, th- I think probably so. Um, 
I mean, the shit was just nasty anyway. And it, <laughs> it smelled bad and it made your hair like stiff. So now there's still aerosol that they have, but I don't think it's bad for the environment anymore. It's it changed. A, it's ozone enriching aerosol now. <laughs> yeah, it fixes the ozone. I don't know why we haven't come up with that. Let's fix things instead of just saying we're going to uh, have a wide, a wide, a worldwide climate event. Well, I mean, I think we all got together and decided a worldwide climate event was the way to go. <laughs> the important people got together and decided that. Yeah, and then, and then it kind of backfired a bit. But you know, one of my I, one of my favorite but most aggravating pieces of of it's it's both science fiction and people actually believe this is the idea that the the ultra rich, the richer than Bill Gates people, have an area on the moon or somewhere on Earth where they have set up to be protected from all the terrible things that are going to happen in the future. Oh, I, yeah, I've heard of that, too. Well, I mean... Have... I enjoy the idea of it, but when it's done in fiction, it's aggravating because it's so... That's so unfair, but I the idea of it is... Is, I always like that conspiracy stuff. It's hilarious, always. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, have fun on the moon, dipshits. <laughs> that's what I say. Go ahead. That's a that's a dumb conspiracy. Like I, I almost wish they would because there would there would be mass suicides within the first week. <laughs> I can't get ESPN. <laughs> um, oh God. Speaking of of assholes, do you watch The Daily Show? On occasion, I haven't seen it lately. The, the the last episode that aired, which was oh my god, what's what was the fucking date? Uh, so it was Thursday, which I think was March March sixth. Um, Asif Manvi was talking to this Fox News commentator about uh, the state of healthcare. Anyway, uh, you should go watch that clip. It's it's pretty great. I always love when people um, you give them enough rope and they hang themselves, uh, which is exactly what happened, which happens a lot on the Daily Show. Um, Daily Show's been on, what, 20 years? I don't know. Probably. Let's, let's say 20, right. 15, whatever it is. Why do people still go on it? I don't know. I don't know what they... Do they think they're going to get the upper hand? I mean, the first season of Colbert, when he's when he was visiting, was it Know Your Representative? I could see the first season, but after that, why would anyone go on it? No, I agree. Uh, no, I totally... I, I don't get it. I, I think they are that delusional, some of these people, that they think they have the winning argument. But you should watch this clip because this guy just starts sputtering and stuttering like crazy. <laughs> anyway, um, we've gone off track, but let's bring it back. Um, we'll just it's play. Yeah, we'll just play heaven for people, and uh, and you can make up your own minds uh, about what religion you wish to follow. So here's heaven.
Okay, nice song. And uh, so I guess we're we're done with that first segment. You want to take a break now? Sure. Okay, let's uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero Tried talking about Shamiro To computers wearing earphones He almost died for conversation Hallucinations, good vibrations Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing Steeplechasing, the Reformation Transubstantiation, Brian Stucker's creation The land of the Thracians and Right back to the start, it's gonna take some time and patience, but all the best things... And we're back. Ah, that was a great break. Refreshing. I, I had a Coke. I had a Pepsi. Because I don't hate South Africa. Uh, yeah, I, I know. My, I kind of flip-flopped on South Africa, I guess, um, after Paul Simon's Graceland album. Do they still have apartheid? I mean, not officially. Actually, I think uh, I think it's it's much better now. But you know, it's like it's like here in this country, you can't erase that long of a history of that kind of shit overnight. Um, well, I thought the deal was they got rid of apartheid and they made it so everyone was equal. Then Mandela died and they they put it all back. They on. put it back. Yeah, it could be. We only did it for him. <laughs> the um, no, I think I think real. I mean, realistically, I don't even know. It was it was so much different than this country in that the uh, black population was like a super majority mm-hmm. in terms of numbers that uh, it was it was bound to turn there and and there's no way I could see it ever going back. Uh, although who knows, Russia seems to be going back to its uh, <laughs> its Stalinist days. I I I know they wanted to have the Olympics to have a have a like a a world look how great we are. Uh, spotlight but it yeah how'd I mean, that work out for you oh uh, i guess some of it was good but all the they had cossacks with whips with uh pussy riot and the whole reports beforehand about what was going to happen if you're gay in russia it didn't work out as well as they thought no it's oh yeah. and then worse than anything else the hockey team didn't get gold the what the russian hockey team yeah oh i didn't even know they played hockey over there yeah, it was that was a big deal. I was like, that's what the Putin wanted to happen. Well, I, I guess that's just what people say. But oh, he wanted the he was big on the hockey team winning. Yeah, that was one of their. He their thought they were going to be Canada choice. because he's that fucking delusional. And then, uh, and then they lost, and uh, three fourths of the team were sent to Siberia. The rest have never been seen again. Well, they're probably uh, in Ukraine right now. <laughs> we right. don't need. You don't need any guns, eh? Even though they're Russian, they speak like Canadians. We just use our hockey sticks, eh? That's that's the way. That's the way to uh, stage an invasion. <laughs> Let's get off politics. It never goes well, ever. Um. So Saint Vincent, self-titled album, her fourth album, I think, yeah, not counting the one with David Byrne, her fourth album. Um, it's funny because I I knew I'd heard songs by her, and I was looking at this album, I was like, wait. Why is it 
by her name. So that's why I was what made me think of do people usually do that because I knew I'd heard heard of her in the past. Right, and you would think this would be her first album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, it's uh, my favorite of hers. I think. I mean, you know, I haven't. It's only been out what uh, a week or two, but uh, but I really like it. I think it's it's um, a good mix of arty and uh, and pop. I think I think she's definitely. Um, becoming stronger as a songwriter as far as like just hooks and stuff Mm -hmm. compared to talking heads it's much poppier yeah i think so um but of course she didn't choose to have dada as lyrics so that's a pretty easy thing to do well she didn't she didn't steal dada as lyrics i'm not sure that the lyrics aren't dada (laughs) anyway um (laughs) but it is poppy with a with a very uh electronic sheen over it lots of uh distorted sounds and stuff um, mm-hmm. so if she comes you'd like to see her on her tour yeah i've seen her twice and uh i'll probably i i would like to see her on this tour just because i like this album so much um, what kind of venue do you, think, do you think she'd play at she's playing at the fox theater here in oakland um which is i, I don't know it's you know i'm trying to think who plays her like Kraftwerk just played there and um and uh jesus morrissey well, oh, if, so if he hadn't canceled the last three concerts, he would have played there. I don't, uh, <laughs> well, I don't they, know if they, had... they have hot dogs. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I don't know if he actually ever ended up playing. Um, who, God, like Animal Collective. So, you know, that level of, of act plays there. So it's a, it's a pretty big venue mm-hmm. for her. I think Brian Wilson just played there um, of the Beach Boys with Jeff Beck. So it's a pretty big venue. But I, so, I, I mean, I think she's for a an indie artist or or whatever she's pretty big yeah i saw her at i saw her at smaller venues on the first the first two tours um more bob mold level uh uh clubs but um but yeah i, I would like to see it anyway yeah, i think it would be a fun show what do you think of jeff beck's son's new album oh the new beck album <laughs> yeah it's uh i don't know man i i mean it's kind of boring. I feel like really, I haven't listened to it yet. But also, I mean, it it's definitely the more pastoral, folky uh, Beck, you know, like on Sea Change. Oh, I love Sea Change. Yeah. Did you find Sea Change boring at first? That's why I'm not. Okay. I'm not making uh, any huge pronouncements yet. I need to listen more because I, I feel like it's the kind of thing that'll draw me in over time. Over time, I think Sea Change might be my favorite Beck album. I, I know point. I I have to be super conventional. I still think Odalay is my favorite, but was that the first or uh, Mellow second? Gold? What's yeah, the first Mellow one? Gold was the first, and he did okay. some like he did some super indie albums too on like K Records or something that nobody really listened to. Um, what was his big hit? Was uh, well, Loser was Loser. the first one. Yeah, so Loser came out and it was a huge hit, and, that, and it seemed like he was going to be one of those one-hit wonders. Yeah, and then he really what isn't. No, he so. actually had artistry, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, being a Scientologist helps. Yes. If I said so it once, weird. I said it a million times. It's so weird that he's a Scientologist. I, yeah. I, I'm sure there's other normal Scientologists, but most of the time I just think of John Travolta and Tom Cruise, and I don't think normal. No, I know. Well, I think Elizabeth Moss on Mad Men is a Scientologist as well, and she seems pretty well-adjusted. Um, yeah, but she, she had bad things to say about Fred Armiston. Wait, did she actually talk shit about him? Yeah. 
Oh, I didn't know that. She's not terrible, but it was something like, I'm paraphrasing. It was, he always is playing a character, even when he's, even in his personal life. And I just couldn't take it. Something like that. Wow. That, well, that is kind of harsh. Yeah. Much more harsh than you usually see in public from, from celebrities who have broken up. Yeah. But I mean, maybe also, you know, true. So yeah, (laughs) I, I could see it, you know, who knows? Um, yeah, I don't know. Those f- fucking actors, anyway, just in general, are are weird people. I think, um, and especially the ones who who like immerse themselves so heavily in characters. Which it sounds like Fred Armisen is one of those. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you ever hear Robert De Niro talk on a talk show or something, you're like, "There's nothing there, man. <laughs> he doesn't exist unless he's unless in he's, a part. Yeah, yeah, absorbing some other." Of course, it's unfortunate at this point in his career where everything he's absorbing is is trash. Yeah, but but you know, like I I might have mentioned before on the podcast, he gets a pass because uh, Godfather Part Two and Mean Streets and Taxi Driver and Raging Bull and Goodfellas, like shit. You do even all King that. of Comedy. Yo, King of Comedy too. Yeah, that's I mean, it's kind of a controversial one. I know a lot of people don't care for it, and it's definitely uncomfortable to watch. But uh, yeah, I appreciate it. So we I mean, should, we should do King of Comedy versus Nah, no. Versus what? I was going to say Taxi Driver, but they're they're, they're too close. Too cl- yeah, maybe King of Comedy versus Larry Sanders show. That'd be <laughs> weird. Do a TV show versus a movie. Oh, Saint well, Vincent, get here. So, ah, right. Earth in reverse. <laughs> Earth in reverse. Like I said about the dot s lyrics, I don't really know what the fuck she's talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, but it sounds good. It does sound good. I mean, I think a lot of these, um, they're probably and the same with david byrne you know they're probably writing personal stuff but uh they're they're just so arty that it it doesn't come across as being like anything you can relate to like like a love song or something you know what right I mean? yeah um, it's, it's it's more obscure yeah it's too filtered through their consciousness but uh it's funny though oh what an ordinary day take out the garbage masturbate yeah yeah i i like that um you don't hear that a lot, uh, especially from uh, women songwriters. Um, wow, man, now I just went down a sexist hole, didn't I? Um, <laughs> Never dig yourself out, so just move on. Yeah, let's listen to Birth in Reverse. Here you go. Oh, what an ordinary day. Take out the garbage, master, I'm still holding for the last. So I think I mean I think that gives you a basic idea for what the album sounds like. And there's something I I wasn't able to figure. I didn't listen to it enough. 
but I, eventually I'm going to realize what it is. But the the opening of this song reminds me of something re- really strongly. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was, but I, can't, I I look forward to figuring it out. Okay, yeah, I'll try to think of it too because you know it's not it's not bursting right into my head right now. No, so. it's it's not super obvious. It's more reminiscent. Yeah, yeah, and I well I actually feel that way about a lot of the stuff on here. I think it's very a lot of it's um, reminiscent of of older stuff. Um, I, like like you can hear that she that there are influences there for sure, and, but it also reminds me a little, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say she, she puts a twist on it. So, and, and distorts it enough that, you know, it, it's not a ripoff. Right. Yeah. It's her own thing, but it also reminds me of, um, children's music and oh, it's yes. not that super simple, but it is a little bit simple, but she does, like you said, put the distortion in and make it its own thing, but it's, it's a little sing songy and yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally. Um, yeah, I feel like we're probably just going to blitz through this uh, St. Vincent album because it's so new and I've listened to it. Uh, I've listened to it a few times, but it's not I don't have it stuck in my head except for, um, well, this next song, actually, I do because it was released as a single, let's say, on iTunes. Um, <laughs> it was one of those ones where they released it off the album early. Um, but and even if we knew it for a long time, the lyrics are, as you said, so obscure. There's not a lot to talk about except to talk about how obscure how they obscure are. the lyrics are. Yeah, right. and and we've already mentioned, I think, basically uh, the gist of what the music is like on the album too. So yeah, it's there's there's not a lot of places we can go with with the discussion, except to reiterate that I think it's a great album. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I agree. I really like it. And and she's uh, in, especially live. Um, you don't ever hear it as much on the album, but uh, she's she's an amazing guitar player, really really good. Um, and and like I said, that doesn't. I don't think that comes across on any of these songs that that we'll be playing for you. But uh, but you should see her live because she's she's one of those like Prince level, uh, I don't know, scorching guitarists. You know. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, let's just move along. Digital Witness, uh, another one. I I kind of get like you get an inkling of maybe what she's talking about. Yeah. You know, I I'm assuming. Kind of, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. It has I'm, to do with with you know the this uh, information and internet age that we're in and and how we how we deal with each other through through filters a lot of times and uh, and you know what there's a line I can't see I can't even remember the exact line but um. You know, it's look at the television or watch TV. It's like looking at a window or something. People turn the TV on. It looks just like a window. Right. Right. So obviously, um, or not so obviously, about um, about pop culture overload. And also, to me, I thought it was a lot about how people live their entire lives in front of everyone else. Now. Yes, in front of a, a screen. Audience. Yeah, yeah. An, everybody, you need an audience now. Uh, something like... Um, what does it matter if, if, um, you don't hear me or something? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I can't remember the exact lyrics and I should have had them pulled up for this segment. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, the, the whole Twitter thing and, and kind of, uh, shouting to make your voice heard among the, the din of everybody else. Uh, it's fair. It, it feels a little bit futuristic too. Like, yes, the feel of the she, song. You mean the musically? The, the musically and lyrically. It's yes. like she's talking about she's talking about the present time, but she's 
it seems like he's talking about a future where it's even worse. Right. It's kind of Philip K. Dickish in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Not uh, Dickish in a bad way, but no. that's his name. Philip K. Dickian. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's play Digital Witness for you, and maybe some of what we said will make sense. Here you go. song i picked uh there are a lot of good songs that i could have picked uh huey huey newton huey p newton is it and uh and um god damn it i i don't have the titles in front of me so i'm fucking myself but just a lot of strong songs on the album i could have picked uh instead of this one and i am talking slowly because i'm trying to get to the track listing of the album which i'm doing now um Anyway, um, yeah, Huey Newton, uh, I Prefer Your Love, I liked a lot, um, Bring Me Your Loves, it, it's just good all around. Um, but I chose this song because it's a ballad, and I feel like ballads are the hardest thing to pull off, because even at the very the very best examples, there's a level of sappiness to them that can't be avoided, or corniness, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I didn't find this sappy at all. And I, and like everything else we talk about with her, there is, it's a ballad, but there's also lots of different noises thrown in. There are. And, and I mean, lyrically obvious, well, it's called, called severed crossed fingers. So that, that gives you some kind of idea of what kind of ballad it is. It's, not, <laughs> it's happy. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, I miss you baby. Um, but I, I actually thought listening to this one, it, I don't know why, like I, if you, asked me to pinpoint why I said this. I couldn't, but it reminded me of maybe like the kind of ballad Prince might've done in the mid eighties, um, musically, not lyrically, of course, cause Prince can't write lyrics for the fuck. <laughs> um, and he would never talk about severed cross fingers. No, no. But, but musically it was that kind of lush, like, I don't know, around the time parade came out, that kind of orchestration, though not really with an orchestra, you know, but, um, yeah, um, and just the just the melody of it, I felt somewhat Prince-like to me. Um, but no, it is it is good, and it well, I can't say it altogether avoids like corny corniness um, because it is a ballad. But maybe that's just my own my own prejudices showing. It seems like by definition, if it's a ballad, it's corny by your definition. So almost, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess maybe that's just, that's just my thing. Um, but it's a great song. I don't get me wrong. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, a a great album ending song. I think, you know, 
a lot of people back in the day that used to be the thing like you the first song and the last song in the album you had to you had to really think about those um where to where to put songs you know placement and uh, i don't think it's much of a thing nowadays but i think this this song wraps the whole thing up very nicely i was listening to an interview with the guy from the guys from broken bells and i can't remember if it was danger mouse or uh the guy from the shins whose name i forget but one of them said they had put out an album and they tried to convince the record company they they just wanted it to be one track so people would have to listen to the entire thing in order well speaking of uh our favorite uh asshole artist prince if you if you go to uh buy um the album love sexy online digitally that's exactly how it is it's one oh, that's track. awesome yeah <laughs> so he couldn't get away with it uh, but I'm, I'm surprised they didn't mention the prince story or maybe they didn't know but he couldn't get away with it until a special version special edition yeah special yeah. edition and that's what all it is but he, he so because that's what they were saying that, that we take a lot of time to put the tracks together and that's this is how it's supposed to be listened to. So we don't Should like flow, it when people do right. sh- to do shuffle or you know how people listen to music on the right, or just purchase one song from the album. Right, right, right. No, no, I totally get that, and and I mean I think that's cool because I think it it shows an appreciation for the art of album making rather exactly. than just trying to get hit songs, which most people aren't interested in making albums anymore. Um, so I I kind of agree with him with that. I I found it hilarious that for the longest time, up until I think last year, ACDC refused to have their songs on iTunes or Amazon, you know, uh, digitally, because they said our albums are meant to be listened to as a whole, not as. If there's any band that that's not true of, <laughs> ACDC is that band. That's, Do you think it's not true that they don't think it's true and they just want more money, or they really think that? I think they're just dumb enough that they actually believe that about <laughs> their music and and the quality of their music. Um. We should do an ACDC versus some terrible modern music. Oh, we could do that. I mean, yeah, there's so much to choose from. We just throw a dart at the iTunes chart. Because um, all I know of ACDC is the popular stuff. So I, I want to go deep into the unknown stuff, unknown bad stuff. All right. Well, yeah, we uh, we can make that happen. It sounds it sounds like a. Uh, it sounds I would like. I will plan. hate it. I will absolutely hate it. But it would be fun. Oh, I'm not going to enjoy it much myself. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, that will be interesting. Have we, uh, we haven't played this song yet, have we? So ever cross fingers? Yeah. No, it's, it's beautiful. I yeah. like it a lot. It's very sad as the title shows you, but yeah, let's play it now. It is. Yeah. Well, I, I think she said, um, she started crying after she finished, uh, doing the vocals. So, I mean, it's obviously personal to her. Don't know really what she's getting at. Uh, you know, it, it's harder to tell as a listener, but um, I did read that the title um, came from a, a short story. Oh, I bet it's good because it's yeah. a great title. Yeah, so I have to, I'll have to look that up and see and find you out. You didn't read the rest of that article. She actually cried when this song was finished because she realized she was all out of bubblegum. She was all out of bubblegum? Oh, is that what it, yeah, I, I cut it off after I finished crying because I was like, all right, drama queen. But no, this is a great song. Um, let, yeah, let's listen to it, uh, Severed Crossfingers. When your calling ain't calling back to you I'll be side stage Mouthing lines for you Humiliated by a 
terrified you so I got hope but my hope isn't helping you Spitting our guts from their gears Draining our spleen over years Found myself crossed fingers in the rubble there All right, and that wraps up the musical portion of the show, uh, which is basically the main portion of the show. Yes, the most of the show. Now it's just us uh, bullshitting, so be sure and stay tuned. Yes, um, I found I found that if you listen, you can listen to podcasts on your on your iPhone. You can hit two times, and if it's boring, you can hit that, and it goes faster. Oh no, shit! You can actually speed it up. Yeah, but still hear what they're saying. So sometimes. Sorry, guys, if you you have an ad on your podcast, I usually hit two times so it goes by faster. Oh, yeah, I just totally fast-forward through everybody's ads on, on podcasts. That shit is not working on me, at least. I would I would imagine most people do, unless they're just super lazy. Well, I don't like to overshoot and then get in, like miss part of the show it. and have to go back, so I just listen to it at two times. Yeah, I know it is terrible to have to spend those precious seconds going back. But. And then after I listen to it two times, I immediately sign up for Audible. I don't even know what he said, but I have, I have four Audible subscriptions right now. Oh, well, so I guess at two times it works on a subliminal level is what you're saying. Yeah, I, also I, have, I also have a subscription to uh, Postmaster.com. Stamps.com, yeah. Oh, I know. I was wondering why I did that. And, and uh, Hulu Plus. We'll never have advertisements on here, so you can all go fuck yourselves, company. Although I do use Hulu Plus, so uh, I can't really say fuck you to them. Um, you can. I can because you need to add uh, some more shows on there, motherfuckers. So uh, Hulu Plus, they do have the late night talk shows on there. If you wanted to watch, like Jimmy no, Fount- no, oh, they have clips. clips. Yeah, ah, okay. But Hulu Plus does have. Uh, a shitload of Criterion Collection movies. Um, that's pretty awesome. With no ads, yeah. So that's, I mean, to me, that's worth eight bucks a month, just right there. Um, and also being able to watch uh, Daily Show and Colbert Report with, since I don't have cable. Um, so I oh, guess so we, those are on, those are on there. Those I are mean, on full episodes, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess we, uh, in essence, just did an ad for Hulu Plus. <laughs> now pay us, Hulu Plus, whoever you're owned by now. I know. Probably uh, Vladimir Putin by the time this comes out. Well, he will own the entire world. Uh, we can only hope. I, I know that started as a like cross-network uh, venture, Hulu. It was a bunch of networks owned it, and they're all putting their stuff out. And I think at some point, one of the networks bowed out. So I think now it's just Comcast. Time Warner, Comcast, Clear Channel, one of them, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well... <laughs> I hate giving TMI, especially uh, on the podcast, but uh, I'm going to have a uh, a bathroom emergency fairly soon. So I think we should probably get okay. to uh, recommendations. Um, what do you got, Pat? I I just I was I had something else in mind, but after I talked about that podcast, I want to recommend Broken Bells After the Disco. I don't I think it came out last year, and it's very good. It's it's the guy, the the guy from the Shins and Danger Mouse got together to create Broken Bells, and the first couple albums are really good. And After Disco is just as good. Yes, I totally agree. I I think it's a great album, and uh, and 
if you know the shins and you know Danger Mouse, you kind of know what to expect, and it's a good thing. It's yeah, they they the it gets it. It's a good end product. They're different. What they bring to the table adds adds up to something different to what they do individually, but it's kind of the same. Yeah, but, much like uh, much like. As we previously discussed, uh, Deltron 3030, I think you know, yes, they all bring yes. some their own voice to it, and and it makes it better than them. Better than own. some of the parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so go get that. And I will recommend, um, since we're talking about uh, Hugo Ball and stuff, uh, Lipstick Traces: A Secret History of the 20th Century, which is a book by Greil Marcus. Um, it's starts out talking about uh, punk rock and uh, how it was a social movement or, uh, trying for revolution that failed. And then he goes on to talk about various social movements throughout history um, that would have changed the world had they succeeded, but they all ultimately failed. Um, and and the, he talks about political movements and art movements. Uh, especially towards the end of the book, lots of lots about art movements. But he talks a lot about Dada and uh, the Situationist movement, and um, it's probably the densest book you're gonna read. But uh, and most people I recommend it to don't can't end up finishing it. But I I think it's worthwhile uh, completely if you if you can get through it. Um, you know. And now, now that you shamed me, I should get back to it because I read the first couple chapters and it was very enjoyable. And I just put it down and never picked it back up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the fate of it with a lot of people. So I, yeah, I you don't feel bad. I, but yeah, that's my, that's my recommendation. And, uh, and at the end of the episode, like I said, I'll, I'll play a song from the, uh, St. Vincent and David Byrne album. Um, so that's what will be on there. Just so you know, um, to okay, tie well, everything together. I don't want you to have any, uh, further emergencies so i guess we should uh tell everyone to write to us at popculture at gmail.com if you want to have a suggestion on what we should do you want to be on the show anything like that please write us like us on facebook rate us highly on itunes and tell your friends yes tell your friends and we as we showed with uh last week's episode we do welcome uh people we don't know onto the podcast so yeah don't feel uh, weird about that i actually um laura bagnato told me a friend of hers in austin wants to be on um She's welcome. She just text, texted me. I think it's a dude, but um, he's welcome. Way to assume. Yeah. Well, I I always assume that all men's friends are men and all women's friends are women. I'm that's the way it should be, but you know, we ever since the uh, the sixties. Thanks, Obama. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that that'll be cool. Um, she yeah, she had just texted me about that. So so yeah, we'll definitely do that. And he's got idea an idea for what he he wants to do, which. Uh, that's is awesome. Escaping me at the moment. Um, it, so I, he's listened to the show. I, I yeah, yeah. Imagine. That's great. So yeah, I know one of them was House on Haunted Hill, but I can't remember for the life of me what the what the other part of that. Maybe isn't it was. like isn't that a remake? So maybe both re- both versions. No, no, it was something different. Okay. Um. But yeah, yeah, do all that. You know, like us and and come on the show. We like we like talking to people. Um, oh, and after you're finished telling your friends, tell your enemies. Yeah, especially to oh, especially tell your enemies because uh, your friends will will like it and your enemies will hate it. And it, whatever, any all news is good 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 news, as Garrigan News said. Oh wow, were you? I didn't know. You, I thought you, that might have been a bit before your time. No. Great space coaster. Yeah. 
Well, maybe we should recommend that. You know what I don't recommend is a uh, vegetable soup. I think I talked about it before. It's the scariest children's show I've ever seen in my life. I've, I've never heard of that one. Made by a bunch of fucking hippies on a commune or something back in the early 70s. And uh, it's just creepy. If you can, it's super hard to find on YouTube. But if you can find the opening uh, theme song video to vegetable soup, go do it and, and you'll see. It's just freaky. And then they had puppets on it and shit. I don't know. I mean, not not cute puppets like freaky ass puppets i'm wondering if great space coaster was something i watched in reruns it was like an old show and they kept it on the air i think it it was syndicated um but i think it was like one of those first run syndicated shows because when i I remember as a kid watching it thinking this doesn't seem right like it was a little bit off but maybe that's just what the show was yeah i i yeah who knows Uh, we can find anyway the garrigan new bit is the only bit of the show i remember and it was the stupidest bit but also the best bit no news is good news was that it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a uh, that's a bummer way to end the podcast. But uh, there you have it, everybody. Um, so until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>